Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Hello, this is David Heyman, and I'm the producer of the Harry Potter films, and this is MuggleCast. Because Matt can predict the future, this is MuggleCast, episode 207, for August the 25th, 2010. Welcome, everyone, to episode 207. We have two people on the show this week that we haven't heard from a while, Mikey and Jamie. Hey, guys. Hey. hey. So how long haven't we been on for? Mikey, well, you, 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 it's only been a couple weeks, but Mikey, I think this is the first time he's on as a married man. No, no way. Uh, maybe. No? Maybe no. I think I was on once. Oh. Or maybe I was sick, and that's why I canceled. No, I was, I was supposed to be, but I canceled because I was feeling sick that day. Well, let's get an update on married life. What's it like, Mikey? Tell us. Tell us. Please, we all want to know. <sighs> kind of like life before I was married. Oh, <laughs> I know it's not that exciting. No. Mikey, uh, what's your what's your tip for staying together? Hmm? Mikey's top three tips for staying together. Um, she is always right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Two more. Um, you can be abstract uh, if you want, but you know, say it like an old Chinese proverb: <laughs> <laughs> communication and no. honesty. Right? And yeah, honesty, definitely uh. honesty. There we so go. Thank you, Andrew. Three well, brand let's... new, brand new things I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, Jamie, it's, it's right. It takes time. We'll, we'll yeah. let you. We'll, we'll let, you'll teach you a little bit here. Well, we all need to be honest for today's show because there's lots of Deathly Hollows content to be talking about. There's there's news bonanza. We got lots to talk about today. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Micah Tannenbaum, and I'm Mikey B. Mike Tannenbaum, give us the news this week, please. You are the leader in the news industry. Leader of the pack. I always look forward to your news reports. Well, thank What's you, Andrew. No problem. Uh, <laughs> well, Deathly Hallows was screen tested yesterday in Chicago, and our, our own Emerson and Eric were there. Seems like Eric always ends up at a test screening of a Harry Potter movie somehow. Uh, he, but, he was also at the Half-Blood Prince one. Yes, he uh, was. But and with the, he got lucky with the Half Blood Prince one, and then with this one, Deathly Hollows, it was Emerson who was walking out of the movie, movie theater, and some guy just approached him and said, "Hey, do you can you come to a screening tomorrow? We're testing no, our movie." No, no way, really. That's really what happened. Yeah, oh, that's insane. That's like you know, I can't and, think what that's like, but that <laughs> people think there's a comp- conspiracy, but there's really not. Like it's a Nielsen guy. You know, it was completely unrelated. It's a what guy? It's a what guy? Nielsen. Nielsen ratings? Okay, so a couple of the the big bullet points from the test screening. Uh, the first one is that the movie is about two hours and 30 minutes. So do you guys think that this is enough time? I know Emerson said yesterday that he thought it might be a little bit too long uh, for some of the casual moviegoers. What do you guys yeah. think? Well, it yeah, probably that's, is. I guess. I mean, most Harry Potter films are two and a half hours. I think the reason Emerson said that it would be too long for casual people is that uh, because it's so loyal to the book, part one, that it, there's just a lot of things that non-fans wouldn't appreciate. That's the impression I got. Uh, we finally got confirmation that Hedwig does indeed die. 
There was a lot of speculation about that the last couple of weeks because of the scene with Harry letting Hedwig go. Uh, But we learned that she does come back and save his life in some capacity. So I guess that's uh, a good thing that they didn't cut it out. Yeah, people were really, people were really very uh, horrible, I think. Like in the MuggleNet comments when we did a report on that. People were like, no, Hedwig must die. Why? And they were they saying are, it was well, such fury. But I think, Well, you know what? Though it, It's also, you know, I, do you remember reading the book the first time? Yeah. This was the first death we were introduced to at the beginning of the book. And it was just like, it was for so me, shocking. It was, like, it was shocking. I was like, you got to be kidding me, really? I of didn't all the think people, that. If anything to die, it's like, it's Hedwig. So I, I was totally, you know, taken aback. And definitely, yeah, but Mikey, but Mikey, but, but Mikey, how much were you was were you taken aback because the owl died, or were you taken aback because it was an, an actually shocking death? Because I thought, wow, that that is pretty bad. But you know, I was sort of expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but I just thought, you know, J- Jamie, Jamie, I think it was you on the MuggleNet uh, Deathly Hollows tour afterwards that you said when Hedwig died, that was the end of Harry's innocence. That's what Joe said. That that's what is, Joe, is that what Joe said? Yeah, uh, I remember it was something. It's the there. end of his childhood. Well, Mikey, you must think you obviously think well of me. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I, I have to sometimes, you know. But it's one of those things where I definitely agree. Hedwig had to die. It was part of the book. Yeah, and, true. Uh, that's it, true. It's one of those. It's one of those. It was a pivotal moment in the in the book because now you knew that everything there was no no one safe. If if Hedwig is not safe. There's nothing else safe in the book. No one is. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And it kind of came full circle as well. Now, one of the other things that was confirmed uh, was the split. And I know, Jamie and Mikey, we don't know what your thoughts are on this because, as Andrew was saying, you guys haven't been on in a little bit, uh, that the film is going to be split where Voldemort goes and grave robs Dumbledore and steals the Elder Wand. So you guys think that's a good spot for the film to be split? That's that's quite a canon part for it to be split. I guess that's going to please people who know what comes next. But is that going to be good for people who don't know the significance of him taking the Elder Wand? I think it's... Well, there is some build-up prior to him taking the Elder Wand. Because in the book, we do get an explanation. We learn that the Elder Wand is all-powerful. Uh, it can It can defeat anyone. So I think the moviegoers are going to get that in- introduction to the Elder Wand, realize that... They will get that, will it, they? What's that? Well, they will know. You know, if people go but haven't read the book, will they get from the film how powerful the Elder Wand is? Well, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the hope. You know, so they will get that explanation from Ollivander, and then they see Voldemort taking control of the Elder Wand, and then it cuts to black, and my thinking is, WB is thinking... You know, okay, this is a great spot because he gets the wand, then everyone's going to be left thinking, oh my god, how is Harry going to get out of this? Yeah, true. I, actually, yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, that is a good, um, that makes sense, just as long as people know how the significance of it. Otherwise, it could look a bit, a bit, uh, a bit, um, I don't know what the word is, but like, not s- serious enough uh, to split the film. Well, I think it's a yeah. good spot because I-, I definitely think they'll have something lean out to explain what it is. This is kind of like, you know, getting Excalibur. It's a game changer. You know, once Voldemort gets this wand that, you know, is undefeatable, how is our hero going to defeat him? So definitely, I think that's a great spot because it, it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, what, that's what WB wants is they want you to want more to go see part two and not just say, oh, well, I'm over it. So, definitely, uh, I think it's a great spot to end it. One of the things that Eric talked a lot about uh, in in the part of his review was Bellatrix's character development, and particularly the scene where she's torturing Hermione. He said that that in and of itself will give the movie a PG-13 rating. Um, He said that it really brings out a side of Bellatrix, an aspect of her character that we haven't seen before. Uh, What drives her to torture Hermione is both interesting and exciting on film. When Hermione awakens from being tortured, she notices the word mudblood carved into her arm. That's so cool. That's so cool. That's almost, that's very Joker-like too, at Dark Knight. You know how Joker would always leave his mark? Like the Joker cards, like yeah. And now Bellatrix yeah, yeah. is leaving mud blood in her arm. Like that's so cool. It's kind of like um, book for well, I think five as well. I think you know? Umbridge. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. Very true. Yeah. So uh, all these reviews <clears throat> overall were very positive, 
And everybody was saying, one, one reviewer said, I can't believe this is only part one. Uh, which meant that she felt very fulfilled. She was very satisfied with this. Um, so I think this is very exciting. I, ca- I cannot wait to see this movie. And, and people were worried about part one because part one, it's, it's the slower part of the book. So, and as one of the reviewers said, if part one is this good, Oh my God. Can you imagine how good part two is going to be? Well, I, my biggest concern for part two would be is because part one is the slower part of the book, it means you have a lot more time to develop characters and get into it. Last thing I want is part two just to be a big old roller coaster where there's no development, no story. And it's all action, action, action. Which, I think it will be a l- quite a bit of action though. It's going to, yeah, I, gonna I, I want, I want plenty of action. I, you know, I want the battles. You know, I do want that, but. I, I want the, you know, I really want all the stuff that they're, you know, dealing with. Because, again, we're so emotionally attached to Harry at this point in time. It is going to be hard, yeah. It's going to be hard to sum up everything, you know, to, to yeah. in that, in two and a half hours, to to take it completely full circle, sum it all up, include all that action, um, and, you know, satisfy the big fans and the casual moviegoers. And I think they've got... They work cut out more in part two than part one, to be honest. Yeah, because part one, I think, is more like the other books where there's a general pacing all the way through with enough action, you know, towards the end. And there's enough action towards the end of where the split is to kind of give it the full movie effect. Yeah. Whereas part two, there's just so much going on. You know, the book reading it was, you know, a roller coaster all over the place. But that was because it was the whole thing. You know, now by taking it separate, they have a lot of work to do in part two to make it a complete movie versus action 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 yeah yeah and the end and so now we know that part two will start with the heist um as dan radcliffe described it when they go into gringotts bank and they uh break into the lestrange vault and from there it's just action-packed and there have been rumors about the final battle scenes lasting a good hour which is incredible so that'll be incredible yeah that'll be some some damn good filmmaking a couple more things, though. One one of the ones I wanted to bring up uh, that's actually kind of big in terms of the plot is that Pettigrew doesn't die in part one. He gets stunned by Dobby. And so the question is, how are they going to kill Pettigrew off in part two? Oh, wow. So maybe they're just going to throw him into the battle. That's odd. I wonder why they did that. It could be he's also one of the characters we know throughout the films. And it's one of those things where seeing him in the battle and dying in the battle kind of can symbolize, you know, the death of the Death Eaters. Because, you know, he's the yeah. one. Yeah, he's also the one that brought Voldemort back. And, you know, I mean, he, he's been there. He's been this constant character that we realized was bad all the way so across. So, wait, you know? are you saying that he isn't killed with the, the hand? With the silver? Well, not in part one, no. So, oh, right. God, that that is quite weird, though, because that was a great scene. Does an yeah. amazing way that you know it's quite a good moral for uh, you know. Did we ever the get whole... an explanation about that about his hand? Well, I mean, we I... see it in Goblet of Fire turn, but I don't. We, I don't think we know what the significance was. Wasn't there Maybe... a theory? Wasn't there a, there a theory about it that was Voldemort did it on purpose, knowing that Pettigrew was, you know, his loyalty wavered and it wasn't that strong, and so he gave him this hand. Knowing that um, if Harry if Harry saved his life, it would turn on him or something. I can't remember what it was, um, but yeah, yeah. It, it was always an interesting thing th- throughout the books. What's going to happen with his hand? Why would he? Why would Voldemort, you know, help him even though he says he rewards his followers? Why would he do that without, yeah. you know? And yeah, I mean, it did turn on him. I just don't. I just think in the films we see an explanation for that, so maybe that's why they they change the way he dies. Hopefully, he does Perhaps. die though. Hopefully, he can't it, escape it again. It was cool though. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? And what do you guys think about the three brothers being told as an animated sequence? I'm excited. I think it's weird. It's very weird, isn't it? it what, ha- how are they going to do it? People were uh, happy with it. They said in the reviews. So. Um, and I guess Hermione narrates. Is that right, Micah? Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, speaking of Hermione, uh, I don't think we can do this a- episode without talking about the side boob. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are reports that the the love scene between Harry and Hermione is very sexual. It's very sexual. I'm sure they've done that on purpose. I'm sure they've done all that on purpose. Of course they did. They look like smoke figures, but they look real. 
And there's a little piece of dialogue where Ron says something about Twilight. Like, it's it's not as good as Twilight. And no way. Oh, that's this horrible. One, this one reviewer thought it was a Twilight. Oh, here we go. Um, this reviewer, Gabby, who sent a great review in, by the way, she said, A Twilight reference was made when Hermione begins to read the tale of the three brothers. The scene sort of went like this. Not exact words. Hermione says, One day long ago, three brothers decided to go out traveling the world together at twilight. Then Ron says, It's midnight. My mom always says midnight. Hermione gives Ron an angry look. Ron instantly backs off. Ron says, Oh no, you're right. Twilight is good. Twilight is better. (laughs) Oh, that's ridiculous. I don't know if that's really... Is that word for word? I don't think that's a reference to it. Is that word for word from the book? Uh, No, no, no. But she says, This is not exact words from the movie, but that's basically what they said. If it's so. like that, though, like, you know, screenwriters um, think about every word, every s- sentence. I, yeah. I, I doubt they could read that without knowing what it meant. What Thinking it- Twilight, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's funny. Uh, but let's wrap it up uh, with the house elves. Uh, creature, we had this issue on the, the minicast yesterday where Eric and Emerson paused briefly when we mentioned Creature. And it was because uh, they don't do the flashback to Regulus and Creature in the cave, but Creature is in the film, and it's clear that he does obey Harry and and do what's asked of him. Okay, that's good. And Dobby makes a surprise appearance, we hear. Yeah, I heard that people were clapping a lot uh, every time Dobby showed up on the screen, but that Dobby's death uh, is very emotional, and uh, pretty much everybody had some tears in their eyes during that scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm sad just thinking about it. So, <sighs> those were the test screenings. Very exciting. Uh, this this sort of came out of nowhere. But they've done it for pretty much every film, I think. And I'm sure it'll happen again for part two. And we'll get some nice early reviews for yeah. part two as well. For anything else, just check out the reviews. Because there's obviously a lot of stuff. But those were kind of the major points. Yeah, we have five reviews on MuggleNet now. They're all very good. So, this is MuggleNet. You'll see them right at the top. What else is going on, Micah? Well, the Phelps twins uh, did a demo of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 video game using the new Xbox Connect technology. What are your guys' thoughts on this game? I mean, it, it seems to be a little bit better overall <laughs> uh, than what people were expecting from Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince. I've not seen, I've not seen the game since Order of the Phoenix, so this... I bet this is incredible now. I've completely lost track with the technology, and I remember improving a hell of a lot back then. So Yeah, well, the thing, the special thing with this Part 1 video game for Xbox is it's using the Kinect technology. It's this new it's this new thing Microsoft developed where... It's like the Wii, camera... isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but there's no controller. Your body is the controller. So you're going to be able to throw spells with your body. And the Phelps Twins demoed this, and I was watching the video. It looks interesting. They really do move their wand, or move their arm to ca- cast the spell. Um, and, you know, it's a good gimmick, I guess. But personally, like, when I'm playing video games, I'm there to be lazy. I don't want to be moving around, standing up. I just want to sit there with my controller and... So, Mikey, you're a bit of a video game nerd. Do you, do you uh, what do you think of this Xbox Connect and how it relates to Harry Potter? I, I, I don't really like the Connect that much, and I, I think it's a cool concept. But you know what? I was really excited for the Order of the Phoenix game with the Wii and being able to cast spells, and I was let down on that. Let down on a couple other games that the Wii really, you know, was gonna do all sorts of fun things with. Even when they added the uh, additional piece to give you, you know, 3D space with the rem- Wiimote, I was kind of disappointed. I have a friend who has the Kinect, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, to me, it's a novelty. It's kind of like, it reminds me a lot of when the Wii first came out, and everyone's like, oh, Wii Sports is amazing. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Wii Sports is fun, and Kinect is fun, but it, it's, I don't know how isn't a it, whole game played with it would be. Isn't yeah. it a bit below, before it's time? You know, like, that... That type of gaming where you you don't have a controller or anything just feels to me like it's twenty years in the future when you've got a bit of VR or something like that. It just I don't yeah, know. It just yeah, seems a bit. You I know. agree with you. I agree with you on that. It's not that it's too early for it. I think it has to start somewhere. But I will say, I think the technology and the game development on it. I think it's a little disproportionate. Where the sense that. At least in my experience with the Wii, uh, and don't get me wrong, I love the Wii. I play all the Mario Kart stuff and everything, but it's one of those things where I think the ideal of it and the actual practicality of it, it's just not there yet. Like, you're, you're yeah, not completely exactly, yeah. immersed in it yet. 
What else is going on, Micah? Well, the uh, BBFC has approved the first trailer for part one of Deathly Hallows. But the question is, when will we see it? Uh, according to their site, the trailer is two minutes and six seconds long. It's rated PG. And as I made the mistake, this is the rating for the trailer, not the rating for the film. Micah, I am me in a tiff. He's like, are you serious? How could they rate it PG? I was like, it's just the trailer. Don't worry. <laughs> So uh, pretty soon, I would think, within the next couple of weeks, we will uh, get this trailer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and there's been rumors about part one trailer coming out at the end of August. Uh, and I don't know what films are coming up that they could debut it with, but I I think now's the time. We're three months out. We need a trailer for, the, for this film, for this individual film. Well, I was going to ask you if you think it would be similar to what you guys saw at Comic-Con, but so much of that was from part two as well, right? Yeah, yeah, th- there was a big mix of both in that, so I don't think that was it. Though we did see, like, Seven Potters, which was, which was cool. Um, there were also rumors that it could debut in September, so I would say within the next month we'll have this trailer. If it's approved now, then at least we know it's finished. It's ready to go, whatever they decide to do with it. Well, now does it come here? Does it come to the MPAA to be I- approved? I guess, yes, but the difference it's is... It's going to be quicker, MP- though, isn't it? With that Probably. initial <laughs> but one. The- the difference with the MPAA yeah, no is that you can't go on their site and like see the approvals for, I guess it's some law in England that they, the ratings have to be posted or whatever. So, all right. Uh, final bit of news for the week. Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey down in Orlando has seen one million riders. Oh, that's incredible. Have you guys that been on that one? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. And how is it? Is it fast? It's, it's awesome. It is fast. It does throw you around. Um, I gotta be honest, after the, I wrote it for the second time, I'm, I'm not, it's, it, I don't know what to say. I don't oh, love don't it. don't trash it, Andrew. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Well, I think the problem with it was that it, it shifts you too much in between virtual and an, an actual set. You know what I mean, Andrew? Yeah, and it's just such a mess. The story, it's all over the place. Like, I feel like they could have come up with such a, a, a more clear story like is it canon or is it or is it completely made up yeah it's completely made up but you see a lot of stuff from the books and films but it's still and you see the actors you know they they did a really good job with it it's just the story it's just uh what am i watching i i don't know what's going on i just i see you see people you see scary things and then it's over and you're like what just happened (laughs) i don't know But but that's how all the rides are that's how all you know that's how all those types of rides are and yeah. as I have said, I think on a previous episode, that when you are doing one giant ride for the Harry Potter series, I guess that's the only way to do it. You have to throw as much in as possible so you can cover everything in Harry's world. And there's a lot of stuff in the in the Wizarding World. So the theme park overall, though, is fantastic. I, I love it. Um, but that ride, one one it was one million riders. That's that I did the math. That's about sixteen thousand a day. Oh, that impressive. is a lot. I wonder how many people they've got through the gates then. I wonder if they're making money. Well, well I guess oh, they yeah, are they, making money, but... Yeah, they posted... Profit, uh, I mean. Universal posted good results. They've spiked their ticket prices twice since the park opened. How <laughs> so, much is it now? I think close to 100 Oh, What, just to get into that for, I think Harry Potter one? No, no, well, you get into the whole Universal Park. That um, is a lot of money. Actually, actually wait, wait. Is it for all of Universal, then? Is that what you're saying? It's for the I entire complex? I think so. I think so. The, the park hopper? Yeah. I th- I just went ahead and bought a, a four-day, which was only like $140. So it, it's actually cheaper to buy it for multiple days. Right, right. The more you buy, the more you save. Yeah, but that's amazing, though, if you think about that. You mentioned it's only been open for a month or a little over a month. Well, two months now, I guess, right? Yeah. But, but, but when you posted the story, it would just been a little bit over a month. So one day, two parks, meaning you get access to both of their parks for one day is $112. Whoa. One day, one park is 82. They do have one nice thing, which is that if you, you can buy an after 2 p.m. pass for, I think, about $45. And that's what I did so one day. So when does it close? Uh, eight or 9 p.m. So oh, right, that, uh, that's not bad at all. Then. Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah. eight hours, and there's no line in the afternoon. When I went there, there was no. You just walk right in, 
You can, I mean, you have to wait a little bit for the rides, but you can go up, get a butterbeer, go to the bar, get a strongbow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It was all good. So I definitely recommend that after 2 p.m. pass. Hmm. Okay. Jamie, you want to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll bear that in mind. I'll just cough up $1,000 for the... Hey, you, uh, you can buy it right now. It's 3 p.m. right now when we're recording. I don't, I don't know if I could get there in time, but I could probably get like two hours. No, no, I wonder. <laughs> if I booked a flight now. private jet. Anything else going on, Micah? No, that's it. Oh, we're done. All right. So, chapter by chapter this week, we're looking at Goblet of Fire, chapters four through sixth of the fourth book. And, uh, it starts with Back to the Burrow, chapter four. And again, these, these chapters, um, are pleasant in that they're nice and short. Uh, so we're going to get through them pretty quick. The chapter opens with the Dursleys eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Weasleys. And of course, Again, there's all this awkward tension. Um, the Dursleys are nervous. Harry's nervous that something's going to go down. And Vernon, of course, is concerned about what they'll be wearing and their mode of transportation because Vernon hates not seeing, uh, you know, it, it hates, um, these wizards showing up, but then also them standing out. He doesn't want to make a scene to the neighbors. So the Weasleys don't arrive normally. They arrive by flu powder. But they get stuck in the fireplace because Mr. Dursley has it all boarded up. He's using an electric fireplace for some reason. And after some awkward tension among the two families, Harry's Harry's things are collected and they, they head back one by one to the burrow. And the Weasley twins came and it seems like the only reason they, they came to help pick up Harry was purely to get back at Dudley. Uh, because they drop, Fred drops the candy. Uh, he spills some candy on the way back into the fireplace. And he knows that does that Dud bleh, that Dudley is going to pick it up, and so finally, only when Mister Weasley and Harry are left, Mister Dursley only says goodbye to Harry once. Mister Weasley urges him to do so, and all of a sudden, Dudley begins throwing up out of control. Mister Weasley tries to fix it, but Dudley, uh, but Petunia blocks Dudley, and Vernon starts throwing objects at Mister Weasley, and Mister Weasley insists that Harry leave. Harry pieces out, and the, the the common trend between Wizards and the Dursleys seems that nothing ever goes as planned. Was he throwing up, or did his tongue get engorged? His tongue I, got I think it was huge. a mix. Yeah, his yeah tongue I thought got- it was his tongue got huge. He said throwing up, and I was like, wait a minute. But well, I, I think, think he, he choked on his tongue, didn't he? Perhaps he threw yeah, up. He was choking though. on his tongue because of him and uh, Aunt Petunia were yeah. trying to pull the tongue out of his mouth because it was so big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is, um, well, as we get into the next chapter, chapter five, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, this is the first time we see the Weasley twins' new business developing. Um, so as soon as Harry arrives at the burrow in chapter five, Fred asks if Dudley ate the tun, tun tongue toffee. It turns out they just invented it this summer. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we see one of Fred and George's, uh, products that that they developed on their fireworks right? before. I, I swear they let off some. T- when do they test them? Is it in this book that they test them in the common room? Because I swear in this one it's the big testing session where they sort of taking down notes and stuff. But I swear in the past they've set off a firework or something. Or I could just be making that um, up. Well, maybe they did set off fireworks, but I think this is the first time that we see their own products. It's got serious as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, but. Going back to what you said, though, about uh, them going to the Dursleys with the strict intention to get at Dudley, I-, I think it's because Fred and George kind of view Harry as a brother in a way, you know, and they're kind of being protective of him, and, and they've heard all the stories about Dudley, so th- they're just looking to uh, to have some fun with him. And, and they've also been there once before when they, uh, you know, broke him out of his room, you know. And, and the Weasley twins, they're smart. That that is a good test subject to try out their new product on. So why not? And that's sort of what they explain to uh, Mr. Weasley when he's yelling at them. And when when they do get back to the burrow, we're introduced to Bill and Charlie for the first time. And at the same time, we're seeing Mr. Weasley re- uh, return and yell at Fred and George for doing that to Dudley. And then Ginny and Hermione enter the room, and in a bit of foreshadowing, Joe notes that Ginny has been a bit taken with Harry ever since they first met. Oh uh, yeah, the the foreshadowing. I, I, her foreshadowing has improved a lot since those days. 
You know, you when it so? was like, I, I think so. I mean, I can't give any examples. That's just um, my instinct. Because I, I remember then, you know, it's like Ginny went red, um, stuff like that. Actually, no, actually, that's a complete lie. Because in the first book, you know, when Peeves um, is talking in his sing-song voice and then Fluffy's still asleep and that saves them. Do you mm-hmm. guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. That, that was a brilliant piece of, I guess that's not forced shadowing completely but it's kind of you know not explaining what's happening in fact in in fact if anyone can make sense of that email me because i don't know what i've just said (laughs) (laughs) i've I've got confused i mean are you saying that i mean on one hand you don't really know that there's even foreshadowing going on in the first few books because unless you go back and read those again yeah true so in that regard yeah yeah you don't you don't see it coming uh but i I, and I've said it a million times on the show. I love catching up on the foreshadowing now that we do, uh, reread the books. Now that we are rereading them after all the books have come out. And I had never guessed that Harry and Ginny were going to get together. I mean, the hints were clearly there. It's a bit taboo, isn't it? Sort of your yeah. best friend's sister. It's not. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not common. It's not common at all. Right. And then seeing all this set up. Before they actually do get together, you know, Jenny was a bit taken with them. Like, you know, that can happen. Any, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of instances in the real world or in the wizarding world where, you know, little sister gets taken with older brother's friends and, but, but nothing ever comes of it. <laughs> yeah. So. Except in this one, they get married and have children. <laughs> Cause he's the chosen one. He's, yeah. But it is, <laughs> it is weird though. Like Ron seeing your best friend. Married to your like uh, my work. There used to be a guy there whose sister was married to the boss, our boss, and I. Oh, it was weird. He right. he he's claimed it wasn't weird, but I think it was weird. That would be like Ben marrying my sister, because I know Ben's <laughs> yeah. been taken with my sister, but I know they'd never get married, like because Ben's not the chosen one. That it it would just be like that. Can you imagine yeah. that? Can you imagine that if you you went round to see your sister and you were in Ben's house? <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if Ben had a nice house, I guess I wouldn't mind too much. But other than that... Oh, I think that would be yeah. weird. I think that yeah, would be very weird. weird. That would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so moving along, while Fred and George are getting yelled at, Harry is introduced to the new business, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. And like I said earlier, it becomes apparent that this is what Fred and George will be doing in their future. Because uh, in this little area, it's noted that they don't they didn't do their well on their owls. And Fred and George have said all they want to do is open a joke shop. So this is one of the first times it's becoming established that this is what they want to do for a living. We've always known that they're pranksters, but we didn't really know that they wanted to open a joke shop. And good on them. They're being entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs. It's good to see in the Wizarding World. You don't see much of it. It's good. It's good. And it's also nice to, uh, that Joe shows that you don't only have to be academic if you can call turning pigs into cats academic um <laughs> they're being resourceful resourceful well, yeah they are they are they can be s- successful and everyone's got talents you know blah 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 and everyone can do well at something you know it doesn't have to be academia it's quite nice well i also like that you know her their mom you know mrs weasley wants them to follow in her, their father's footsteps and work at the ministry and they don't at all. And it's like, you know what? You, that's what they want to do. They follow their passion and they're extremely true, successful yeah. in it. So I think, I think that's a nice little encouragement, you know, follow what you're passionate about. So I like it. Harry then catches up with Ron and Hermione and we see Percy developing his interest in the wizard government calling for, <laughs> this is actually really clever on, on Joe's part. Um, she came up with this, uh, idea where Percy, would be really into calling for cauldron thickness regulations. <laughs> and it's it's just so clever. Like, I, I don't know how you would possibly sit there. You just sit there and you're thinking like, okay, what can Percy really be about? Oh, What's I know, the most cauldron boring thickness. thing? Yeah, what, what, could, <laughs> what sums up his boringness? But yeah. Percy does give a good argument. I mean, he's bringing up the point that, you know, some cauldrons are leaking in these... these, these uh, these it, brews, it, they've are, been ri- they've been rising. The you know cauldron leakage has risen three percent over the past year. That's a huge, huge ri- rise in cauldron leakage. Um, no, I think I think I agree with you completely. That cauldron, th- honestly, like 
cauldrons are not necessarily a wizard type thing. They've been, you know, it, it's a big pot. You know what I mean? And it's, I think that is just purely like Jamie said, sums up, uh, Percy's boringness yeah. perfectly. <laughs> is boringness a word? Who knows? And this again, where the, this chapter is like, Hey, everyone, here's the future of the Weasleys. Ginny's going to get married to Harry. Fred and George are going to open a joke shop. And Percy's going to get involved in the government. Like, this is just one big, you know, here's what we can expect of the Weasleys in the future. So at dinner, Percy and Mr. Weasley are in a deep discussion about things at the ministry. They talk more about cauldron thickness. And Percy tries to get the trio to ask him about a big, top-secret event he's been bragging about. And we really see Percy's character shine through here. And I always hate this when people do this. They try to get you to ask them about something. Like, they're, they're so, they, they want you to ask. They want them to, they want to feel need. They want to feel important. And Percy's doing that. He keeps dropping that he's working on this big secret event, which is the Triwizard Tournament. And this is unbeknownst to the trio at the time, but they, they they just can't be bothered. They don't really care. They think it's rubbish. They think it's probably to do with cauldron thickness. They don't, <laughs> I guess that's, that's quite clever, really, because, you know, Percy's obviously boring, and he can't be organizing anything interesting, and it's probably about cauldron thickness. And that leads us into Chapter 6, the port key. Take it isn't away, this, Micah. Hmm? Before we jump into that, isn't that where they also discuss um, the missing person, uh, Bertha Jorkins? I yes. Think? Yes, they do. I'm so that's where I they, that. yeah, that's where they're also missing. Uh, they discuss her missing and how, uh, Barty Crouch would not let that be. You know, he was actually concerned about her. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Sorry. I just, something in my head. I'm trying to look it up in the book right Why now. Why was he is. concerned for her? Uh, apparently she had worked in his department because she's been shuffled around multiple but times. But did he really care? That's what I mean. You know what? I don't think so because again, we know that at this point in time, Barty Couch Jr. has already been released from Azkaban. And I'm wondering if he was wondering if something else is going on. Because, again, Barty Crouch knew that the Death Eaters could be on the rise. Because his son's already, ex- you know, he's already snuck out his son from Azkaban. So I, I think I think there's a lot more that can be read into, read into that. But it's all me, you know, reaching at, you know, strings of here. Of course, it was Peter Pettigrew that she ran into. All right, Micah, now uh, you lead us through Chapter 6, The Port Key. All right, well, the chapter opens up uh, with all of them waking up to go to the Quidditch World Cup. And uh, as Harry comes downstairs, uh, he sees Mr. Weasley wearing a golfing sweater and a very old pair of jeans, slightly too big for him, and held up with a thick leather belt. And I get this is just J.K. Rowling again, showing how interested... Arthur Weasley is in uh, muggles and muggle clothing in this case because he asks Harry, hey, do I look like a muggle? And Harry kind of laughs and says, yes, you do. Um, so a bit of, of comedy here. Um, now, Andrew, you noted that in this particular scene, Mrs. Weasley continues to be uh, not a very bit of nice. a not very nice woman uh, about the uh, practical jokes Fred and George have invented. Yeah. When I, Why can't she just lighten up a bit? Well, when I was reading this, I was just thinking about, you know, as a parent, sometimes you should really be supportive of what your your children's interests are. And maybe instead of telling <laughs> what them... What if they're interested in prostitution? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, okay, there's some <laughs> limits. But if they're interested, you know, okay, I get it. You don't want the, these pranks happening to uh, muggles like Dudley and whatnot. But at least say, hey, you know... I'm all for you guys develop, you know, uh, getting into this, uh, developing your interest in the prank business, <laughs> which I know sounds kind of funny, but just try to do it in a controlled environment, you know? You know, I, I, I think she does take, you know, and she does take, you know, she's a mom. She understands where they're coming from, but at the same time, they're her babies and they're not doing what everyone else in the family is doing. They're doing something completely different. They're taking a risk. And she's worried for them. Because think about it. Everyone else, you know, Char- uh, Charlie works with dragons in Romania. Bill works for Gringotts. You know, uh, Percy's working for in the ministry already. She wanted them to work for the ministry like their father. I think you it's know? also... She sees all the potential in them, you know? Also, it's like they don't have any money. So what they, they've they got, perhaps in her eyes, is their uh, career-based stuff. You know, like, as you say, Bill, Charlie both have good jobs. Um 
Mr. Weasley's quite high up at the ministry, and I guess they just don't want, um, she just doesn't want Fred and George to not amount to anything, you know, in, in her eyes. And she probably wants them out of the house, too, you know? Like, she doesn't want them to be 24 living at home, either. No, yeah, sure. true, yeah. So, like, come on, imagine going to a new field, you know, the joke business, which, you know, we only know of one other joke shop beside, you know, and that's in, uh, uh right outside. Yeah, in Hogsmeade. You know, in the wizarding world. So it's like, maybe it's not that lucrative of a business. And she's just yeah, concerned for that. It's probably hard to make your money in. Like, thinking about it from a commercial point of view. If, if every single piece of magic is to do with creating, I mean, what can be a trick when you can cast spells daily? And, you know, what can surprise well, they, yeah, you and make you... I guess, I guess the fun of Fred and George's stuff was that it's, it's new magic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you mean that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just new magic put into new toys, and like when the I guess it's kind of like when um, Umbridge was casting spells at their fireworks, they just split and got bigger and got more powerful. I guess that's the real change that they sort of, you know, because I, I bet everyone can create fireworks, magical fireworks. No, well, I think the other side of it though is the intelligence it took for them to be able to make some yeah, of these that, things, yeah, that's as true, we see yeah. later on in the book. So she should be supportive in that respect. I know she yells at him or yells at them again in this chapter for not getting higher grades on their owls because uh, I think it was uh, George who said that they've been, or sorry, Fred who said that they've been spending six months developing the the tun tong tun tong. Toffees, so you know, and then she says, "Well, oh, that's what you were doing instead of studying for your owls." So they they do have a bit of of intelligence about them when it comes to developing these sorts of things. But, but you got to understand, coming from Mrs. Mrs. Weasley's point of view, she can't brag about her kids creating tun tongue taffy. You know what I mean? Or toffee? They, you know, she can't put the oh they got you know together they got twenty owls. You know they she can't brag about that to her friends. Think about it. She's a mom, yeah, guys. But, <laughs> she's not. But she, she's not. She can brag mom. about it now, though. They have a very pro. Well, George has a very profitable business. It, it wasn't at that time, though, was it? It was. But at that time, experimental. She was trying to. Yeah, she was trying to get on her kids to make something of them. We see her change as she gets, you know, as they get older and they actually have their own shop. She's worried about them because Voldemort's around, but she is proud of her sons. So yeah, she does take the change. But right now, she just wants her kids to do the best they can. Lay off her, Andrew. Lay off her. Come on. Mrs. Weasley. She takes, she takes on, you know, Bellatrix. For the the record, if I ever have children, I will encourage them within reason. To be practical jokes. No, but, but Jamie's right. If, if they're in a prostitution, I will, of course, discourage that. But if they have a. You're a good man. You're a good man. You're a good (laughs) father there, Andrew. You'll be a very good father. Say no, don't do prostitution. Took a while for me to come to terms with that. I will not let my children do prostitution anyway go ahead micah it is fun analyzing so, uh, the, their business uh, mrs weasley uses uh accio and and collects all of the the little ton tongue cough toffees that they have uh, around the house uh so it, it's kind of interesting to see like uh, imagine what it'd be like standing there and seeing all these different uh wrappers fly sorry candy to miss it <laughs> yeah to mrs weasley um i'm wondering why she didn't do that beforehand you know I, I think this was kind of the final straw where she said okay now i'm collecting everything because literally every little place that they've hidden these things over the course of I guess the last couple of months uh, is is sort of found. So uh, we do learn about uh, apparition in this chapter. I think for the first time, Harry uh, talks to Mr. Weasley uh, pretty extensively about what it is. Uh, and we also learn that setting up the Quidditch World Cup is this massive production. You know, all these wizards uh, going to one area. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that the people with the cheaper tickets have to arrive two weeks early. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a dig at, at people who aren't as uh, well off. And it's kind of interesting that the Weasleys are the, the ones with the better seats. Well, because they got them from the friend at the ministry. I don't think they paid for the tickets. Right. But normally, they you would. would think that they would have to be the ones that would arrive two weeks well, early. Well, it makes sense to me because... You can't have all these wizards congregating towards one place at the same time, so they do have to stagger the the group arrival. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah, think of is any two weeks extreme, event, maybe? Huh? 
Well, think of any sporting event, though. You know what I mean? Like, there's traffic going in, there's traffic coming out, and it's a pain. Like, most people say, okay, we'll leave during the last inning of the baseball game so you can beat traffic, or you just right. wait till it's completely done, and you get yourself a drink and, you know, eat an extra hot dog after the game's over, and wait till it's completely dissipated, because it's just so ridiculous trying to get in and out of that traffic. Even, like, Andrew, you'll know, at Disneyland, if you leave when the park is closing, how crazy is that traffic trying right. to get out of there? Or after the fireworks. Exactly. It's, it's just nuts. So, and you got to remember, this is worldwide. You know, if you remember reading in the, in the chapter, they're talking about like how these are wizards from all over the world coming in. And that's why it's such a big production. I can definitely see it taking two weeks at least of, you know, staggering people arrival. And it's just going to be constant. You know, if you remember looking in the movie, uh, you know, when they actually arrive there, and you just see how it's just this endless array of tents and stuff like that, you know, camping. So, right. So, uh, we also learned that some of these wizards are taking muggle transport, some are apparating, and some are taking port keys. Um, so it's another introduction uh, there to a form of magical transportation. And, uh, Andrew, you pointed out that we do learn a lot about that in this particular chapter. So what is everyone's favorite mode of transportation in the wizarding world? I think I like apparition the best. Me too, me too. Because one, it's dangerous, which is kind of cool. Like, you can lose half your body, as we, as we learn in this chapter. Splinching. But, but also, <laughs> it's obviously the most efficient. You can get there nice and quick, and you can go wherever you want. Except for some places. <clears throat> it makes everything else just seem pretty pointless, to be honest. Like, yeah, you know, no, you, I agree. You have to carry around a jar of dirt to throw into a fire, or you can just turn on the spot and appear somewhere else. It's, it's not exactly a tough choice. And these flu um, fireplaces, you have to add to the network. So there's a lot of, you know, admin stuff to get out of the way. You need to call up and get it added, or you can just turn on the spot and appear somewhere else. Anywhere in the world. The downside of apparition is that you do have to take a test. If you've had a few a few glasses of wine as well, and then you mess yeah. it up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like no drunk driving, no no apparition. No drunk apparition, yeah. yeah. Tra- drunk <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and again, this is J.K. Rowling introducing something earlier on uh, in the book that plays a huge role later on, uh, especially with the port key. Uh, and we all know uh, what happens uh, in the graveyard scene. So um, they do key. continue... What's that? Hot K. Exactly. <laughs> was, 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 that, was that a good accent, Jamie? Oh, uh, no, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Oh, <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, try again without trying to rip me. Try and do it so it's... I wasn't trying to rip you. I feel like I've heard that in the movies said like that. Pot K. I don't know. But just say it Pot a bit. Pot K. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's better, yeah. Pot K. Pot K. Pot K. Yeah, Pot K. Although, I think that's probably one of my favorite ways of transportation. Because just imagine, like, it's anything... Like, I would make the doorknob to, like, my house a port key. So everyone t- sometimes touches it. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a nice security system, too. It'd be funny. Oh. Yeah, that's, it'd be a great one. Like, or, or, or how simple would it be? Like, make the doorknob to your house a port key, and it transports you into the living room. You yeah. just travel five feet, but it'd be hilarious. Because every time they grab it, they just spin around and come out. It'd be amazing. I would do that. I would have a port key at my desk to bring me to the bathroom, so, like, I wouldn't even have to get up. Like, I'm just sitting in my computer chair one moment, and then I touch my... Mixer port key, and then it just takes me to the toilet. Oh, that would be cool. That would be so cool, yeah, if you had a keyboard <laughs> just with buttons on them, and each one was right. a port key that said, you know... <laughs> was it, it was a different port key. Just type in where you want to go, yeah. You <laughs> you're, you're like, bathroom, oh. living room, bed, <laughs> Anything, food. or countries as well, or you had a globe. And the bathroom constantly plays the Down East or Alexa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love that. That would be incredible. So they all head out, and it's it's actually a pl- pretty uh, long trip from the sound of it. Uh, an uphill trip, too. Harry says he's winded uh, at one point. And uh, they finally uh, get up to where the port key is. Um, but before, just before that, they run in to the Diggory's. And uh, I thought it was interesting how Amos Diggory was talking about his son because... He talks about everything that's going to happen in the future. Um, for example, he says, I'll be glad when he's got his apparition test. And then he says, said, that'll be something to tell your grandchildren that will. You beat Harry Potter. And we all know that he ends up uh, getting killed at the end right. of the chapter. Right. Or at the end of the book. Yeah. So. And, oh, man. This, was, this so. felt so awkward when you're reading this. Because, like, uh, you know, because he's like, well... Cedric, you're the one who didn't fall off your broom, and Harry did, so you're clearly the better player. Like, it was so 
It, it was just so awkward. I didn't. I I felt awkward. Yeah. Well, you know, what? I think it felt awkward too for Cedric. Like, if you read, I'm trying to find yeah. what it is in the book, but he, like, yeah, he hated it's because it. yeah, he hated the praise from his father because like Harry fell off because he was attacked by Dementors and stuff like that. Right. So it's you know, it's not like Harry fell off because he didn't know how to fly. So it wasn't necessarily the best man won, but it's uh, I definitely see where it's like Amos has all this you know future hope for his son and it's all taken away from him. I think. Yeah, I definitely see it's uh it's kind of showing you the emotional connection between Amos and his son, how he has all these aspirations for his son, and then it's taken away from him at the end. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're right because he won't pass his apparition test and he won't have grandchildren unless there's something uh, Cho Chang isn't uh, revealing later on in the series. <laughs> so. Is there a scandal? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, just the last thing I wanted to mention about this chapter before they, they go ahead and take the port key is we get the first mention of the love goods and the fact that they live so close or in the same general area as the Weasleys. And we know uh, that obviously comes into play right. in Deathly Hallows. Oh, wow. Very uh, nice. So, um, and Luna as a character, I don't, is she introduced in this book at all? Or is it not till Order of the Phoenix that they, I don't think till Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. I think Order of the Phoenix. I mean, there may be a her. small reference, but. Of course, she comes into play yeah. big time in Order of Phoenix. Because Joe has that that way of introducing characters very quickly, um, and you pay them no attention, and then you know later on in the series they become yeah. important. Because she did that with Cho Chang, and she did it with yeah, Cedric yeah. Diggory. Um, All right. So they are now at the Quidditch World Cup. That's where we'll continue and, next uh, time. That's where we'll start next time. We have a couple of tweets to round out the chapter. These were sent in via our MuggleCast Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MuggleCast, if you want to follow us and stay up to date on everything MuggleCast. This first one comes from Becky the Nerd. In Chapter 5, it's nice to see Harry at peace for once. He's relaxed and enjoying the Weasley dynamics. Humor before the dark. It's like one of the last books we see Harry really be chill. <laughs> yeah. And well, it, that, it's also before, you know, Voldemort is back comes back to life, so Yeah, so things get really dark then. But but hey, Joe even mentions in this, you know, for once he wasn't thinking about Voldemort or something like that. Yeah. His next tweet's from Andrea Nero. Chapter six, Mrs. Weasley, Akio's friend and George. How did the spell know what she was summoning if she didn't say Akio Toffees? You know, I was maybe she. Hmm? Well, I was going to say perhaps she said half of it, you know, in her head, silent spells, which would be stupid if she said Akio and then said the other half in her head, which wouldn't make sense. But or perhaps if you if you want something enough, you can just say the first part of it. Or perhaps Joe just made a mistake. Well, I I, don't know. I think I think. Accio would be a, a perfect spell for me, part silent, because if you know you want something, you just have to say, you know, want, and you know what you want already. And I think, you know, if you remember reading about how to do the silent spells, you know, in, was it Half-Blood Prince? They, you know, it's one of those things where they, you have to have that idea in there. And so I think if she wants the toffees, she might not know exactly what to call them, and that's why they kind of flew towards her. She just wanted what Fred and George made. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's her house too. I mean, she probably has control over yeah. whatever's yeah. inside of it. Well, she's a pretty powerful witch. So next tweets from Brady. After what happens with Dudley eating one of Fred and George's candies, how did they fix his tongue? Is there a tongue deflating spell? I mean, perhaps he. W- uh, Mr. Weasley uh, knew how to fix it. He yeah, said he, it, thought, he said it was so. just an engorgement charm. So so it would have been like reducto. That's exactly it. Man, I'm good. You're you're smart there, Andrew. <laughs> And finally, from Jeremy, uh, Reese, in response to something about last chapter by chapter, Nagini wasn't a Horcrux yet. He became one after Voldemort killed Frank Bryce. So we were watching it okay. be created right there. Yeah, because I think last week what we said was uh, that Voldemort was getting power from one of his Horcruxes by milking Nagini, but I guess... Nagini wasn't yet a Horcrux, so sorry about that. Micah, it's t- time now for Muggle Mail. Can you read that first one? First one from Nicole. Yes, the first Muggle Mail comes from Nicole, sixteen of Rochester, New York. Subject: If Matt were a betting man, 
not Andrew. Uh, hi, Mugglecasters. First and foremost, I wanted to say that you guys are totally awesome. To the main point, I was listening to an old episode, episode 140 at the gym, and literally squealed during chapter by chapter, making everyone near me look at me oddly, then change machines like I was the one smelly guy that nobody wants to be around. You guys were analyzing chapter 24, uh, guessing of Deathly Hallows, and Matt brought up the idea of the movies being split right after Voldemort gets the Elder Wand. You all shot him down quickly, though, and moved on. I thought it was amazing. Maybe Matt can see the future. Thanks for reading. We had been Nicole. wondering if anyone had predicted this spot for the split, and it looks like Matt was one of the people who caught it. So, Good job, Matt. I don't know. Does he win something? I mean, it's not that hard to do. Gosh. No, I'm kidding. It's very impressive. <laughs> I know. I, I could have I could have done it. You know, yeah. I just didn't. So I let Matt do that one. So. And here now is the clip. Again, this is from episode 140. It's when we are doing our chapter by chapter segment on chapters 24 and 25 of Deathly Hallows. So let's flash back now. But um, I think one thing that totally creeped me out at the end of the chapter 24 was when Voldemort just pulls the wand right out of Dumbledore's hands. The yeah, court like oh, body. Hey, guys, so I'm terrible. I'm I'm sorry to say this, but since we're at the end of this chapter, wouldn't this be the uh, the best part to split the movies? No, right it's after too late. Voldemort. It's way too no, late. It is. Too no, late. but it's uh, they can't show the whole Malfoy Manor scene as part one in the movie. And how is this climactic? This isn't really like how, well because a, you know Voldemort has a big uh, Dumbledore's a big wand. wand or something. Well, I guess yeah. I can see how it ending <laughs> on like Voldemort going into Dumbledore's grave and picking up the wand, but how gruesome with it. Are they getting Michael Gammon? Oh, God. I well, yeah, so. Michael Gammon will have to be in, books, in movie seven for well, you know, the uh, King's Cross you know, chapter. Michael Gammon can play a really good dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about this split spot now. Like, I really, if they change it, I'll be disappointed because this is just too good now. It just seems too good. And everybody liked it at the test screening, it seems like. so. Uh, Jamie, could you read the next email? Um, from Alexandra. Yes. From the Alexa. <laughs> the Down Easter Alexandra. <laughs> this comes from Alexandra <laughs> 16 from Sydney, Australia. And she says, Hi, at the beginning of the episode 2005, you discussed the trailer where Ollivander says it is rumoured there are three. And a thought occurred to me. In the book, Chapter 24, Harry asks him if he knows of an unbeatable wand. Ollivander says it's rumoured that there are three, the Destic, Wand of Destiny, and the Elder Wand, but I believe only the Elder Wand exists, or something to that effect. Then Harry asks if he knows anything about the Deathly Hallows, and Ollivander replies no. Perhaps Ollivander was in fact answering the question about the unbeatable ones, but in order to set the story in the trailer, they did it the way they did. Just a thought. I hope it helps. I think that's a good idea. And the way they, they cut up these trailers, sometimes it's just so... Odd, like a lot of the time, trailers don't make any sense. Do yeah, they? exactly, exactly. They just mix a bunch of a bunch of audio bites together, so it so it makes sense for the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, um, and it, according to Eric, though, too, there is no conversation between Harry and Ollivander in part one, so it will probably happen at the start okay. of part two. Oh, hmm. all right, that's interesting. We'd thought that would be part one. I had thought it would be part one because now the big question is, how do they set up? the Elder Wand explanation. Well, Voldemort is going around. I mean, he kills Gregorovich. Um, so it, he's in pursuit of the Elder Wand. So I'm not sure. Maybe they explain it more through Voldemort than through Harry. Yeah. If that makes sense. I guess so. Well, I think also the story that Hermione tells of the uh, three brothers, that would also explain the wand too. And doesn't he kill uh, Grindelwald in this as well? In what? In part one, well, he definitely kills Gregorovich. We know that, right? Or because he breaks into the prison. He breaks into the prison to kill him. Yeah, but oh no, wait, 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 no, no, no. That would have to. He breaks into the prison, and while he's breaking into the prison, they're torturing Hermione because at that point they go to press the dark mark, and then he's then it's like, oh, his terror was unimaginable, and if they've summoned him for no reason apart from Harry Potter, then they'd all be dead. So that was that was at the Malfoy manner when he was um when he was killing Grindelwald so was he that was is that before the split he was murdered by Voldemort in chapter 23 of the of, of the book so then yes that would be before the split 
All right, cool. That's what I just read on the lexicon. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking, that they're going to be telling this more through Voldemort's side because of, you know, he's going about killing all these people in pursuit of the Elder Wand. And then he finally gets it at the end of part one. Okay, next email. Mikey, could you read that one? Yes. So the next email is from Christian, 18, Wisconsin. Ronald Weasley and the Tidal Wave of Doom. Hey, guys, just listen to the latest episode about the EW article on DH. I thought there was a lot of good discussion on the split, but I was actually more interested in something else the article said. Ron and, Ter- Ron and Hermione have recently destroyed another Horcrux in water and were pursued by Voldemort-shaped tsunami. WTF? Did they cut out the Chamber of Secrets? How could water destroy a Horcrux? Will Brendan Fraser be there? What do you guys think? <laughs> I'm excited to see a tidal wave shaped in the face of Voldemort. I really am. Well, some people are thinking that happens in the Chamber of Secrets. The Voldemort-shaped tsunami. And, I, yeah, I, I could picture that being kind of laughable. Because, <laughs> I don't know, that has the potential to be very cheesy. Um, but I, I guess my thinking is they wanted to have it shaped like Voldemort, so you get a better visual representation of who is causing the tsunami. I'm lost. I'm lost. So where is this happening? What is this? This I, I think it occurs in the Chamber of Secrets when Ron and Hermione go down there. Uh, But that's the cup, right? That they destroyed down there. No, it's the diary with the basilisk. Diary. No, wait. What are you guys talking about? The diary's already... Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm lost. You're talking about Book 7. Yeah, I yeah. I thought you were talking about Chamber of Secrets. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. They go into the Chamber of Secrets in, in Book 7. Uh, and, and I think we do see it in the film because there was a brief shot of them in what I think is the Chamber of Secrets in an ABC Family preview. So some are speculating that the tidal wave happens in the Chamber of Secrets. What is a Voldemort-shaped tsunami? Surely a tsunami is shaped like a tsunami. I don't know how, how you could get a Voldemort-shaped one. That's, that's going to be right, weird. It, it's, a, it's Voldemort's head as yeah. water. It's a big wave. And it's just like, Voldemort's <gasps> head. okay, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. Yes, just like that. Maybe he'll have his arms flailing above his head or something, too. And there'll be, there'll be a guy surfing him as well. <laughs> <laughs> it automatically goes into surfing. Yeah, so. yeah. Wipeout. Wipeout. Ron and Hermione. <laughs> exactly. That would be so cool. I, that would um, be funny. <laughs> just, totally bre- just totally break from the movie into something else. <laughs> All right. And let's see. We have one more email here today from Karen, 54, of Churubusco, Indiana. Churubusco, Indiana. Love the show and enjoy listening with my grandchildren. As you well know, Harry... Harry crosses all generations. We are planning on going to Universal Harry Potter World for Halloween this year, taking three ga- grandkids with us. Any suggestions or advice? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Um. Well, uh, I'm sorry, Mikey and Jamie, but you guys cannot answer this question because uh, you yeah, have not no, been. No, I I don't have any advice on this. I, I need I need I need to go soon. Maybe 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 during the winter. I would say there's good news. You can easily knock out the Harry Potter park in a day. If, if you get there in the morning, you can knock it out in the day. Even if you get the after 2 p.m. pass, which I recommended earlier in the show, you can knock out the whole... I mean, you know, there's a lot to do, but at the same time, you can do all of it in a span of seven or eight hours. If the crowds are reasonable. I don't know what it's like down there in Halloween, but you could... It should I, be cool. I'm guessing they're going to do something special down there for Halloween. Yeah, I hope so. What do you think? Uh, yeah, maybe add some pumpkins. Add some more pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe add some more pumpkins, you know, make it Halloween-like <laughs> yeah. or something. But yeah. I would say, make if you're going to go there multiple days, just you don't have to rush as much as you think you will, unless it's very crowded. Otherwise, I think you can knock... If you if you get to the park, Universal Park, in the morning, you can knock out the entire Universal yeah. Park in one day. Well, and also it depends, I think, how old these grandkids are, because they're probably not going to get on the, uh, the Dragon Challenge ride. They're probably... That cuts down at least one ride uh, that you're that you're going to be going on. But to me, the thing that always had the longest line was Ollivander's. Yes, yes, that does take a while. I haven't done that yet. That's where Neither you uh, where the wand chooses you. But you go in a group of ten, and they only pick one person out of the group of ten to have the wand choosing experience. And I think that um, the, usually they pick little kids because little kids will be like, "Oh, mommy, come on, buy this wand for me, please." So, 
Except you would have bought a one, Andrew. I maybe. I don't know. I'm did not you? Big, did you buy no, one? No, I didn't. No, I'm not a big one guy. I don't know. How much were they? They're pretty expensive. I want to say forty-five or fifty. Oh, that is quite a lot. Because they're legit. I mean, they are well made. It's just that they're expensive. <laughs> so wow. So there are a couple tips, Karen. Uh, you'll have a great time. And I, like I said, if, if the crowds aren't going to be too bad, you don't have to rush. After 2 p.m. pass is a nice thing, especially if you've already done the park once or twice. Get the after 2 p.m. pass for basically half price, and uh, the crowds will be relatively light. So that does it for another MuggleCast. We just want to remind you all first about the website. MuggleCast.com has all the information you need about the show. You can subscribe and review us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, all from MuggleCast.com. Uh, and wow. also there on the site, we have a video of our trailer analysis. You can listen to the trailer analysis as you watch the particular scenes that we are talking about. So do enjoy that. It's right there on the homepage. You can also find a contact link on the site where you can write to any one of us or just use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks. And uh, bye. Wait, don't say bye yet. Wait, no. We have to remind everyone what our names are. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Jamie Lawrence. And I'm Mikey B. We'll see everyone next time for episode 208. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I think WB hires them, and I don't know. Anyway. I just have to interrupt quickly, because I'm on the Google document, and I haven't yet seen that thing that, that flicks back and forth with the, the name of the person and where Oh, yeah, they you are. can see he's typing. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's actually amazing. Oh, man. oh, I haven't been impressed with a computer feature for quite a while, and that is <laughs> that's quite impressive. It's right. You haven't seen the new iPhone either, Jamie. So. No, no, I have. I have. Oh, oh right. Do you mean the one after the four? You, yeah. you get, oh, no way. What's it called, Mikey? Tell me what it's the called. iPhone 5. He doesn't have it. Come on. Come on, Mikey. Go. Yeah, but I could have said that, Mikey. That, uh, I could have said the iPhone 5. What's its code name? I don't know. I'm making it up. <laughs> have you guys seen The Last Airbender yet? No, but I've heard it's crap. It's terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> it's unbelievably terrible. Oh, it's one of the worst films. The only uh, funny thing was when one one person says, um, <laughs> I, "I think it was since you were no, no, since you've been born, we've known that you're a bender or something like that." It was really funny. Um, uh, I wasn't going to say, uh, yeah, it's terrible. But Inception. Inception? <laughs> I haven't seen that, no. You haven't, I haven't seen, seen it either. Oh. I haven't had a chance to get around to oh, it. Sorry. What's wrong with you guys? I, I, did, I did see... I saw Scott Pilgrim. Sorry. That's what oh, I'm going to oh. see. Is it actually good, Scott Pilgrim? Or? Sp- Scott Pilgrim is amazing, although it did horrible at the box office. Why did it do so bad? I thought everyone... It, it, well, it opened up against uh, Love, Eat, Pray, you know, the Julia Roberts oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also opened up against The Expendables, you know, with uh, oh, yeah. I'm going Stallone to see and week. everyone else. So, it, it, you know, Scott Pilgrim did not do very well in that sense. But, honestly, uh, people at my work and stuff, they've seen it like five, six times. I've seen it twice. It's it's like, do I go see Inception or see Scott Pilgrim again? Oh, I'm going to go no, see Scott Mike, Pilgrim again. No, Mike. You it's, see Inception. Dude, you, you understand. Right, right, great, it's, great. it's amazing. Anyway, back on to uh, the news, Micah. <laughs> Micah, back to the news. We have to remind everyone what our names are. I'm Major Sims. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. The your voices keep going; it, it just keeps cutting out. So, so what's happening? Just, we just say by? your name. Yeah. All right, Jamie Lawrence. I'm Mike Tadamel, and I'm Mikey B. All oh, right, all oh, right. Sorry, that sounds stupid. I did an intro one. I mean, <laughs> I mean. Okay, say it again. I'm Joe. All right, I'm Jamie Lawrence. No, no, that's still bad. No, okay. <laughs> Mikey, just do it. Yeah, you do it first, and I'll follow your lead. Okay. Okay. St- start again. Start again. I'm Andrew okay. Sims. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. I'm Jamie Lawrence. And I'm Mikey B. Yeah, there you go.